0: have your Bible, go through in the book of Ecclesiastes. I think one, as I've been going through different books, I think it's one of the neat things is that God has given us some things uh, in the Word of God that will help mold and shape our lives if we go back and spend some time thinking our way through them. As i go been through the book of Ecclesiastes, or just been thinking about it this week, I really want to challenge you to spend some time in the book of Ecclesiastes especially this week, because I think what happens, uh, if, if I'm anything like you, we are so uh, busy in the different things that we've got going on. It's, a, it's just been, um, as I was talking with FaceTime with Rachel yesterday, it's been amazing how fast the summers went. And so we get going in this fast pace, but we don't really stop and prioritize the main things in our life. We're just busy running around all these different places. not necessarily bad, not necessarily um, all wrong, it's just, it's, Can you believe the summer's almost over? Just, here we are. And so as I've been thinking about Ecclesiastes, I've been just stopping and saying, okay, Lord, what about today? What do you have for me today? Because it's a gift, but we're so busy in it. And so as I was thinking through the book of Ecclesiastes, I was thinking about, you know, one little phrase is, life under the sun. And I think about the things of this world. The things that are so easily will distract us or where we'll go to, to find our purpose. As I think about life under the sun, I think about we're looking, we are looking for a quest for meaning and purpose. As you're sitting here this morning, where will you go for meaning? Where will you go for purpose? Is there anything under the sun on this planet that can help you make sense of life on earth today? I want you to think about that. Because you're in an opportunity this morning when there's so many things that people, your friends, your neighbors, or maybe even you, are running to some things of this earth. And say, well, that'll help me make sense of life. And as I go through the book of Ecclesiastes, the things of this earth are not going to help you make sense of life. And the temptation for us is to just focus on what's right, the closest to us, the here and now. And the reality is, I think, as I actually think through this, and as I was looking through some different information, like uh, Wilkinson and Boa put it this way, all earthly goals and ambitions, when pursued as ends in themselves, lead to dissatisfaction and frustration. So if I'm looking to the things of this world, for my satisfaction, you're going to be messed up. Another way, uh, as I was looking at it, this satisfaction in life can only be found by looking beyond this world. Now, if we were in Sunday school class, and I would ask you, would you, say, would you say this is true? All of us would probably give our nice, good Sunday school answer and say, yeah, that's true. But I'm not sure that we all believe that. I'm just thinking, or maybe it's a concern, that a lot of us look for the things of this world to bring us satisfaction. And as I go through the book of Ecclesiastes, satisfaction in life can only be found by looking beyond this world. If that is true, you need to be very careful how you live tomorrow. We need to be very careful how we instruct our children and our grandchildren. For the for the years to come, I don't have any. Um, I have got children. I don't have any grandchildren. I, Lord willing, He'll give me some grandchildren one day. But as I've been thinking about grandchildren, grandchildren can be pretty spoiled, and sometimes we help that process. And so we're just saying, you know, well, they just need this toy. If they just had this toy, they would have satisfaction. No satisfaction doesn't come from the things of this world. Well, if they just get the new you know, iPhone 6 Plus, then they'll be happy. No. Satisfaction of things of this world. Mm-mm. And so as you go about your life, I think you need to stop and say, Lord, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes because you get a chance to journey with a man who went through the things of this world And at the end, he'll make a statement. I know a lot of you probably know the statement. But as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to look at it from two perspectives. I want to look at it, life under the sun. Life under the things of this world. And then I want us to look out at life under the sun of Jesus Christ. As I go on this journey, I want you to walk with me to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Pick it up uh, in verse 1 of chapter 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? So what does man gain from all the labor that he toils under the sun? So as you begin your journey through the book of Ecclesiastes, you begin your journey with answering a question. Where do you find satisfaction? And so if you have Solomon's going to explain some things to you, can an individual in this world find satisfaction from their work? Can they make sense of all the things under this sun? Can they make sense of all that stuff by just dealing with the work? Can they find their value? Can they find their meaning? Can they find their purpose? Can they find out who they are as an individual through the things we call work? And I realized this morning if, we would, if I would pass a microphone around, all of you would say, no, I can't find satisfaction from the work. But I'm not sure all of us are living that way. Because it's easy to sit in a congregation and be in the world that we live in, in Highlands County, Sebring, Florida, when the world says it's all about this. It's all about the career. It's all about the title. It's all about all... No, hold on. Solomon would say to you, I'm not sure you're going to find your total satisfaction in your work. You won't find value, long-term value, just because there's something written next to your name with a specific title. Isn't it fascinating everybody wants a title? What do you do? I work at Bible Fellowship Church. Well, what do you do at Bible Fellowship Church? Well, I'm on staff at Bible Fellowship Church. That's never enough. What, do you, what are you going to do? Well, you, I'm, I'm one of the pastors of Bible Fellowship Church. Oh, really? Well, what do you do there? Well, I'm, I'm just one of those guys that are on staff of Bible Fellowship Church. I don't want to be known as the pastor of Bible Fellowship Church. I don't want to be known as the senior pastor of Bible Fellowship Church. I do not mean anything to me. Because I don't find value in an office that I sit in there. I don't. And what I've learned is, is life under the sun is where I found my value. And life under the sun, take your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 1. What does life under the sun mean? If I have Jesus as my Savior, if I've said yes to Jesus and forgiveness, this is what He said to me. See, a long time ago, I recognized that I was a sinner. A long time ago, I recognized that I needed a Savior. A long time ago, I said, you know what, Jesus, would you be my Savior? I'm I'm asking you for forgiveness today. I need a Savior. And then this is what he said back to me. Be confident, Todd, that on the day that you said yes to me, I began a good work in you. And I will carry that out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's work under the sun that I have a father that began a good work in me when I was just a little tiger. And that work's not done. And my father's not interested in putting a title next to my name. My father really wants my heart to say, construction in progress. This is a construction zone. Just work, Dad. Here's my life. Just work in me. Because you began something good in me. Another thing that I've learned over the years is I think about Um, God as my Father, life under the sun is is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. And I know that you know these verses, but it's just a great reminder. Paul writes about contentment. Tells us in in verse 4, 8, says, Finally, brethren, this is what is true. Think on these things. And he goes through that list. And then 10, he "He greatly rejoiced in the Lord that last year you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be at plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. What's the solution? That I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. So life under the sun, my Father, the cross, means that no matter what goes on around me, There is strength, and that strength doesn't come from me. It comes from the cross. It doesn't matter what it's going to look like, but as I think about the things of this world, if I'm living under the sun of the job and the title, and people are going to walk into your office and say, fix the problem. I don't have to say fix the problem. Meet the Savior. Surrender. See, when I have him as my father, it doesn't matter what I do, where I go. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter how big my house is. Life under the sun, he's my dad. As you go along through, through Solomon's life and you look through, this, I want you to just look at this next one. It's chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I, I really think this is huge. As you look through Solomon's life, he's going to share some things. He went to these things. I, find, I, I kind of categorize it as life under the sun, pleasures and self-indulgences. And this is what he did. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2. Laughter, I said, is foolish. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind was guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worth. While for men to do under heaven during these few days of their lives. So I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of trees in them. I made reservoirs to water the groves of the flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem Before me, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the hearts of man. I became far greater than anyone in Jerusalem before me and all my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. So all that Solomon had, everything that he saw and said, hey, I want that. Solomon went and got it. There wasn't one thing that Solomon didn't have of the things under the sun. You need to think about that. Because I think at times you say, well, you know, well, what if this, this. No, Solomon had it all. And he still wasn't happy. There still wasn't satisfaction in his soul, even though he had all the junk. He had all the stuff. Is there anything on that list that he left out that you have that he doesn't have? I don't think anybody in here has 700 wives, 300 concubines. I don't think any of us in here have male and female slaves. I don't think any of us in here has all the resources that we can go buy and build whatever we want to build. He had it all. And so, as you go through life, come back to this book and remind yourself that you're looking at somebody that had it all, but it was empty inside. He didn't have it all. He had it all under the sun, but right in here was emptiness. And so, this morning, as you think about that, be very careful. That you don't go to the things of this world to give you pleasure. Because life under the sun, the pleasure comes from the Father. What do I mean? Take your Bible and go to Psalm. I know I've read this fairly recently, but I think it's just great as you go back and forth. The man who had it all, the man who had wisdom, and I read you these words. Psalm 139 In verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So the man who had wisdom didn't come back to the thought and say, wait a minute, maybe I need to stop and ask my father, what have you ordained for me today? I think it's important for us to really think our way or sit on this concept, I think you really need to come back to Psalm 139 and spend some time. Because I know you have goals and you have ambitions. I know you have dreams and desires. But I think you need to stop and ask your Heavenly Father, what what did you make me to be? What do you want me to be? Where are you taking me? I am... Um, I'll never forget the day that I rode down Highlands Hammock Road and I turned and came around the golf hammock and I parked in the back. And as I rode by here, I don't hear audible voices, but it's like the Holy Spirit said to me, who's going to be at this, with this family for the next generation? And I've told you this before. It's like, that's not my problem. That's your problem, God. Because I love Africa. And I'm not leaving. But what I should have said is, Father, if you built me, if you put me together in my mother's womb so that I could come here and love people and encourage them around the Word of God, then I'll come here. But see, I didn't think about that. I was thinking about cricket and rugby and all my friends in Africa. I was thinking about Biltong and Boris and all this fun stuff that I was involved in ministry. Kids were coming to know Christ. I'm thinking, that's all. This is awesome. God, I love Africa. See, all along, he knew that he had a plan to bring us back here. And so I just encourage you, with your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, why don't you stop and ask your father? Because the last time I checked, he wrote us these words as well Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Most of you know, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, the gift of God. But what does verse 10 say? We are His workmanship. We are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why He built you. That's why you understand the things that you do. I walked by these bushes and, and somebody was saying to me, well, they need this fertilizer and this and this and this. I'm thinking, looks green to me. It looks good. I don't understand. I wasn't built that way. I don't understand those things. You know, that's just a hedge to me. It's in you know it's just weeds that are kind of in the way. Just spray it all around up just grow grass. That's kind of how I think. But some people understand all that stuff. Because God made them that way. And so if God made somebody to understand what chemicals need to go on there so that the outside of the facilities looks good, go for it. Use it. That's God's masterpiece. That's God's design. That's the way He made you. So stop this afternoon and revel in the thought that you are God's masterpiece. And set aside the thought when you're living underneath the lies of the world that it's all about you. It's all about, hey, make me happy. Solomon tried it, and he wasn't happy. I also want to take you to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, life under the sun. So as I think about life under the sun, I'm just, I want you to think about, are you trying to find satisfaction of things of this world? So, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, pick it up in verse 10. This is Solomon saying this to you. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. If you love money, you will never have enough. Now I realize, and this is my little, I won't stand on this soapbox real long, but I realize that we live in the state of Florida and the lottery is worth how much money right now? Come on, tell me. I know you all know how much is it. Over 10. What is, does anybody know actually? What is it? 40 million. Okay. 400. Well, whatever, it's a lot of money. Okay, we'll we'll go around for the next 20 minutes trying to figure out how much the lottery is. Okay? But I know what a lot of you will think. If I just buy one ticket... And if I win the lottery, I can handle the money, right? There are times that I thought it would be cool. Now, I haven't bought a lottery ticket. Um, I don't know if I've ever bought a lottery ticket. I remember my dad would buy one every once in a while, and we would talk about what we would do with money. But you know what I've learned is? If I love money, I'll never have enough. Where did I learn it from? Solomon. And that joker had some money. that joker had stuff. And that guy lived, and you've got proof sitting in front of you from the Word of God that whatever he saw, he got. And all the things that he had still did not meet the deepest need of his soul. There was not satisfaction deep down inside. You'll see that at the very end. That's where we're going. So life under the sun, there's a temptation. I just need more money. There's a temp- it's fascinating to me as I listen to people. Yeah, I want to get paid more money in 2017, but I want to work less in 2017. Right? That's what you hear. Well, I'm worth more. Well, you saying you're worth more, then you're going to work less. Well, that's a contradiction. How do you do that? Because we love the money. Here's another great example. If you have some free time, get in your car, drive out 66, turn right on 17 then go across on 64, right before you get to all the S's. I call that the Jones area. There's one or two small houses, and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm sure this is what happened, Babe, I'll just build you this house. You'll be happy here. I'll borrow this amount of money, and I'll build you this really big house, and you'll have this huge bedroom, and you'll have this huge walk-in closet. You'll have this huge master bathroom. And, babe, you'll be happy. Guess what? They're for sale. If somebody won't happen. And so there's something right in front of us saying, you know what? If I just had that, and then that life, as I think about life under my father, or under the son, what does Matthew say? Take your Bible, go to Matthew, chapter 6. Verse 25. <clears throat> Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you eat or drink or about your body or what you wear. Is not life more important than food and, and the body more important than clothes? Look at these birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you By word, can add a single hour to his life. Go to another one, Philippians four, nineteen. Sorry, I'm looking at Ephesians four nineteen thinking, what that doesn't write, that's in the wrong spot. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Life under the sun. One more Hebrews chapter thirteen. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Because God said this to you. Never will I leave you. And never will I forsake you. Wow. I'll never leave you. Never forsake you. Take your Bible and go back to Ecclesiastes. I want you to go to the end of Ecclesiastes. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I guess if you're looking for a key verse for the book of Ecclesiastes, you could take this as your, one of your key verses. In front of you this morning is life under the sun, things of this world, or life under the sun. And there's more in Ecclesiastes, and if you have some time, really it's, it's fascinating to read as I was looking through, I, was, I forgot to mention in chapter 1, it says, all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Have you ever thought about that? All the streams flow into the ocean, but it's never full. To so the place the streams come from, there they will return again. Isn't that interesting? Just watching water go up and down and go to Crystal Springs and go down to the beginning of it and float down Rainbow Springs in your little tube and thousands, millions of gallons of water come out of the hole in the ground. And it just keeps on coming. So there's a lot of other little one zinger things in there that are just great for the book, these deaths. But Solomon, he wraps it up this way. Now, all has been heard. Here's my conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commands. For this is the whole duty of man for god will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing whether it's good or evil so i think as you think about your life or you think about the book of ecclesiastes fear god and you can go on and on about all that i mean we can you know i can jump up and down and get really loud but when i think about fearing god think about the word respect, I think about the word reverence, and I think about this. God, I fear you, and I respect you, and I reverence you, so I want you to change my lifestyle from the inside out. You don't fear God, and you don't reverence God, until you you give God permission to work in your life. And he just didn't say it's good enough for me He say, okay, God, I fear You and I reverence You, but will you obey His commands? That's where life gets interesting. Am I willing to say, okay, God, that's Your command? Solomon had all this stuff. Wisdom. Finances. Accomplishments. And he wrapped his whole life up in to say this. Fear God. And obey His commands. Because there will become a time when you'll meet Jesus face to face. And that's when the true reckoning time will come. One, do you know Him personally? Is He your Father? Have you said, yes, I need you? The next one will be is, are you continuing to say yes to Him? It wasn't just good enough when I was a whirly bird to say, Yeah, I'm scared of hell. I'm not going to hell. So, whatever Paul Patton said, I'm asking Jesus for forgiveness because I'm not going to hell. You know what's interesting? I said yes to Jesus this morning. And that's my prayer for you, too. Yes to when he brings you to commands. Yes, when he, when he shines this red light in your life saying, Oh, you're looking over there. Oh, you think you think you desire something over there. You think that will make you a man. You think that will make you happy as a spouse. You think that is value. You think that is success. That's just something that you're looking at. And I, I do it, and I know you do it, but it's different. When I drive down the road, I'm looking at the Alan Jay, all the different pickup trucks. I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. Man. That's an awesome-looking truck. I think I should buy me a pickup truck. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to forget that right now. Then I'll drive down the road. There's another one. Oh, that's a cool one. Well, if I just had it, it would be neat. I mean, it's okay, but I really don't need it. But I want it. But I, well, it's my desire. Well, it's not going to make me happy because the tires are more expensive. Fuel's more expensive. I'm going to get as good as fuel miles. I think about all those things too. So are we willing to do what the Word of God says? Hey, live under the sun? Are we willing to come back to what my original question was? The statement is satisfaction in life can only be found by looking beyond this world. Who's beyond this world? His name's Jesus. That's where satisfaction is found. But there's a temptation for all of us sitting in this room to say no. Now, that's not where satisfaction is found. So the choice will be yours. You will either live under the sun and find your value from the things of this world, or you'll live under the sun and surrender to the one who died on the cross for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather together as a family. Thank you for the words you've placed in front of us. Thank You for Solomon's life. Father, may it be more than just words. May it be Your voice to me, to us. Not just the Bible. Not just the Word of God. Those things are incredible. But Dad, it's You talking to me. It's Your guidance, Your instruction for me to navigate, today it's his instruction for you too he loves you you will look him face to face he will hold you accountable he loves you he loves you enough to hold you accountable he loves you enough to empower you to do things differently he loves you enough to set you free what will you do As you leave this place called Bible Fellowship, you leave our family. Will you live under the sun, the things of this world? Or you will live under the sun, Jesus Christ? That's what's in front of you today. If you'd like to pray with somebody, we do have the What's Next ministry. I would love to pray with you. Father, you know our hearts. You know what's going on here. Father, may we not leave the same way that we came in. May we walk out of here with thoughts in our soul that not are just thoughts, but are things that we're willing to surrender our life for you to begin changing. Father, as we've heard your voice, may it become life change. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to gather as a family. Send us out into community. Where we have hope, we have strength because you are our dad. It's your name. I pray. Amen.